Uh, well, good morning, Orangewood, as our kids go out. Uh, if you're guests with us and you're new, my name's Tyler. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, and we stand uh, out of reverence for God's word because we believe he teaches us through and in his word. And so I will read this morning our scripture from the gospel of Matthew. You can follow along on the screens as I read. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Before you take a seat, will you pray with me? And so gracious God, we're reminded again that you are worthy. Uh, meet us today as we sit under your words. And Spirit, whatever I say, would, would, it, would it apply, uh, you would apply it to the lives of your people um, to encourage us and to remind us to follow Jesus with our lives. And we pray this in his name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Uh, well, uh, it's August. It's kind of a new ministry year we find ourselves in. And uh, as we look ahead to this year, one of the things we're going to be looking at throughout this year is what does it mean for us to grow at becoming a follower of Jesus, committing our lives to him as his disciples. And you may hear that word disciple and may not know what that word is. It may be an off-putting word. We, we hear a lot about, oh, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus or to be a Christian? But actually we read in the Bible, in the gospels, it talks a whole lot about being Jesus's disciples. And I'm actually going to make the case next week that the best word to use today in our culture, in our language for disciple is the word apprentice. That'll be next week. But the question is then, who do we apprentice to? And the New Testament is inviting you to apprentice your life under Jesus of Nazareth. Not only letting him save and redeem your life, but teaching you how to live your life with God in his constant presence. So starting September 11th, uh, we are going to go from September 11th through next June, sitting under the words of Jesus as our teacher from the Sermon on the Mount. It'll be broken up into smaller sermon series, but we're going to spend the next season in the life of our church in the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus will teach us. And my hope and prayer through this next year together under the words of Jesus is that you would find yourself being drawn closer to him in your life, walking with him, with this awareness of the with God life wherever you go, that you are not alone, that he is with you. You have nothing to fear. And that you have a power by the Holy Spirit through this man, Jesus. And, and I know it's just one year. There's, there's only so much we can accomplish in one year, right? You know, but what could this one year mean for your life 15 years from now? And growing in this 
life of following Jesus. And so today, we begin a, what I'm calling a prequel sermon series called Follower. Uh, we've, heart, we've seen prequel movies, right? You know, there's a movie that comes out kind of setting up uh, what is going to come, or other times the, the, the official movie comes out, but then the prequel is made later, right? And, and usually that movie is never as good. Uh, you think of episode one of Star Wars, right? I mean, nowhere near as good as the original. And so I'm hoping not to fail as well uh, today. But we need a sermon series to prepare us for what does it mean to be Jesus's disciples, to prepare our hearts, minds, and souls for the Sermon on the Mount we will begin in September. And second, we need a sermon series called Follower because there may not be a more uncool name for a sermon series today because no one talks about following someone else in our culture. Our, our culture is about uh, leadership and how, how you rise to the top, how, how you climb the corporate ladder, how you become a success. Becoming a follower of Jesus will be a shock to the system in our city of Orlando. I have a question for you this morning as we begin. Where do you get your news? Where do you get your news? Don't, don't say anything, just think about it. Where do you get your news? Uh, you can tell a lot about a person uh, by where they get their news. You, you talk to some people and uh, you can tell by talking to them, that, okay, th this person's on one side of the political spectrum, right? And, and, and then you're having this conversation over here with this person and, and, and you're like, oh, this person's on the exact opposite aisle the political aisle, I can just tell, uh, where do you get your news? Um, some people get their news from watching TV. Uh, other people get their news from uh, various apps they read or off the internet. Um, some people get their news uh, from various articles they read. Some people uh, still get their news from this thing that was called a newspaper. Anybody still get their news from the newspaper? Uh, yeah, only a, ha a few hands left. I'm not going to make any statements, but they get their news from a newspaper. I want you to think about it for a couple of seconds. Where do you get your news? What is it? Where do you get your news? Now, I was hoping that the most popular news source you thought of was the Bible. Maybe more directly... I thought you were thinking, I get my news from Jesus. You see, Jesus was in the news business. He was bringing news. What news did he bring? What is Jesus's news? That's our first question. And we see it in our passage, verse 23, of chapter four of Matthew, it says this, and Jesus went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. 
It says he came proclaiming the gospel. Uh, this word could also be translated good news. In the Greek, it's the word euangelion. Uh, it, it, with the word ou on the front in Greek, it means good. So you hear someone say, oh, we're going to give a eulogy. It's you on the front. It means a good word. Uh, angelos in Greek means messenger. They, they, were, they were sent out. This is where we get our word angel. They were sent out with a message of of news, Ulangelion means a message of good news. Now, Jesus wasn't the first to have an Ulangelion. I mean, we actually find messages of gospels all throughout the ancient world. Uh, the first marathon was not run in Boston. Do you know this? It was not run in Boston. Uh, the first one was actually run after the Battle of Marathon in 490 BC. Uh, Greece had been invaded by the Persians and against all odds, they defeated the Persians and they, they sent these messengers back. Uh, they called them evangelists. They, they, they sent them to every town and village and country. They, they sent one back to Athens to share this good news of victory that they were indeed free. And that first marathon runner who ran from Marathon back to Athens, do you know how far they ran to get to Athens? If you're a marathon runner, you should know this. How many miles? 26.2 miles back to Athens. Now, just a little bit of extra history, just so you and I are on the same page. There's a reason why I don't run and probably never will run in a marathon. Historians tell us that when that evangelist came back to Athens running 26.2 miles, he said, hear the good news, we have won. And then historians tell us that he laid down and died. <laughs> so just wondering why I don't run. It's in the history books. As Jesus walked and gathered followers around him in the first century, he proclaimed good news. There was another gospel happening in the first century. It was the gospel of Caesar, of the world of the Roman Empire. We found an inscription in Preen, which is in modern day Turkey, uh, about this gospel devoted to Caesar Augustus. This is what it says, the birthday of Augustus has been for the whole world, the beginning of the gospel, Ulangelion, concerning him. So Jesus was proclaiming his own good news, uh, different from the Battle of Marathon, uh, different from the birthday of Caesar Augustus. But what is the good news Jesus preached? That's our second question. Uh, in 2007, Steve Jobs stepped onto a much nicer stage than this, but he stepped onto a stage and he walked to the center and Steve Jobs looked as uncool and as unhip as anyone possibly could. He was wearing a black turtleneck tucked into blue jeans with some tennis shoes on. And if that's your thing, I'm, I'm not saying anything, but uh, he walked onto that stage and he held a device in his hand and he said these words, Sometimes something comes along and it changes everything. That device that he was holding in his hand was what? iPhone. And he was right. From a technological standpoint, it changed everything. It changed our brains. Did you know that when your little device beeps at you, goes off, there is a dopamine rush to your brain? 
Uh, When we take our phones in our hands, it changed the way how we relate to each other and to our world. Now, Jesus had good news to preach, but it wasn't about the iPhone. It was about something infinitely better, and what he brought changed everything. What is the good news Jesus came to preach? Well, we actually see it scattered through many pages of the Gospels and the book of Acts. So I'm gonna just give you a few of them. Mark summarizes uh, this good news that Jesus preached in the Gospel, very big on Mark 1. Now, after Jesus was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Later, Jesus is going through the cities with his disciples, and we read this in Luke 8. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and 12 were with him. Later, uh, Jesus dies on a cross in Jerusalem. He is resurrected, and then we know that he is going to ascend into heaven. But what we forget is between his resurrection and his ascension, there was a period of time that Jesus and his resurrected body walked about the earth still preaching and teaching. And so we read this in the beginning of Acts. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. What is the good news Jesus came to preach? It should be obvious from these passages. He came to share the good news of what? The kingdom of God. And we see it here in our passage that we're focused on today, Matthew 23. Uh, And Jesus went through all the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So it is crystal clear that Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom. But you may be asking, what is the kingdom of God? It's where God's will and God's reign go forth. Put another way, the kingdom of God is not only the, a place where God is. We, we see this actually all throughout the New Testament that the, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are used interchangeably. So it's not just a place, but the kingdom is also a power. And this message takes a certain kind of person who is willing to accept it as good news. You see, the kingdom of God always stood in direct opposition to the kingdom of self. We see this all the way back to the very beginning of Humanity, that uh, there was a, an, uh, an opportunity for Adam and Eve. They stepped into this garden and there were what? Two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The, the, the tree of life, living under the source of that tree meant dependence on God, life with God, surrendered to God, drawing power from God. And the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this tree was marked, was marked by a life independent from God, surrendered to ego, seeking an identity in our own power. And so since the, from the very beginning of creation, we've had essentially this identity of two trees being offered to us. And sadly, Adam and Eve showed us how strong the temptation is to live in the kingdom of self. 
and the consequences of their actions still feel our lives and our souls today. But the good news of the kingdom of God is being offered again. I love the way Dan Doriani put it. He says this, therefore, to enter the kingdom of God is not to cross a border passport in hand. It is to yield to God's reign in your life. You see, friends, we all have a gospel. We We all have some good news we're looking to and saying that will satisfy me. Uh, We all have a gospel that we're looking to to provide us with ultimate hope. But Jesus has come and he offers this invitation. If you will follow him, we no longer have to live consumed with worry, fear, shame, and anger. We no longer have to live defensive, calculating, stressed out, or worked up. We can, if we want to, live under the reign of God because Jesus is the kingdom bringer and that is good news. But that's actually not even the best part is the message. You see, I've heard through the years a lot of people talk about good news of what they were going to do, right? I mean, you probably have as well. Uh, Bosses claiming they were going to change the company culture. Kids promising they were never, ever going to write on the walls again. Politicians espousing hope of new reforms. We have all heard the promises of good news, but that's all they were. There was nothing else to them. They were just words, just words. But we see the power behind this next question from our passage. Where is this kingdom? Where, 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 if this is what Jesus came off and where is this kingdom? The real power of this kingdom is not just wishful wishful thinking. Jesus says this, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, we have to understand this because there's some confusion today around this word heaven. We think of heaven and we think of a place really, really far away, way out there. Someday I'm going to go to it. Someday, Lord will, and I'm going to end up in the good place. Uh, it's, it's really far out there, just past Pensacola. Really far away. But Jesus says heaven and the presence of God has now been available to you through me. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he has two implications in mind. First, that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. It has arrived. There's one story in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus uh, is, is healing people of demonic spirits and and the religious leaders have gathered around him and they see what he is doing and and they are beginning to make statements oh he he is he's casting out through other demonic spirits and Jesus kind of just gets straight logical with them and says why would I cast out a demon with another demon that doesn't seem to make sense but then Jesus says these words about his true power he says this but if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is telling these religious leaders that the kingdom of God has arrived in me. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever longed for the arrival of something before in your life. And there's really, there's really nothing like the expectation of something in your life that you're like, oh, I cannot wait for, for this arrival. You know, some people, you think about the arrival of a child or the arrival of some delivery you made on Amazon. Oh, it's coming today. I, I, I just can't wait. The arrival of something in your life, right? And, uh, you know, one, one time, uh, Rachel and I, we... Uh, we were living in Michigan at this time, and we went to see family in North Carolina, and we we're making the long drive trek back to Michigan from North Carolina. It's supposed to be a 12-hour drive, um, but on that drive, we ran into traffic. You know, um, you have that as well. You've done that. Um, so we had to stop for that. And then uh, at the time we had a nursing baby, so it meant that we stopped what felt like every 30 minutes for a feeding. And then on the way back, we're coming through the mountains in West Virginia, and one of our kids gets sick in the car. So that's another stop. Multiple, multiple, multiple stops. This 12-hour ride, I think, turned into like 16 or 18 hours. And honestly, I can't remember because I've blocked it from my memory. Um, I'm willing to bet I've lost a year on my life for that one day of just stress and anguish. But there was nothing better That late at night, finally pulling into the driveway, we arrived back home. Praise Jesus. And we all survived. Jesus tells us the good news is that the kingdom of God has arrived in me, in my life, in my death, in my resurrection, in my ascension. And not only has the kingdom of God arrived in the person of Jesus, secondly, it is available to every person who wants the kingdom life in them. The kingdom is at hand. It is here now. And through Jesus, you can bring all of your life, all of your identity into the presence of God and draw power from him to live your life. Jesus has come. And he has given us in himself the opportunity of a lifetime. You see, we get all these things about opportunity of a lifetime. They come around all the time. I don't know if you get these. Um, I was getting our mail recently and I was you know, sifting through it. And, and, uh, and on the front of one of the letters that I received, it said to me, hey, Tyler, you are pre-approved. I just love that. You know, right there in that moment, Tyler, you're, you're pre-approved. We get these promises of a lifetime, but Jesus has better news. He has better news. The good news is that the kingdom we've all been longing for, we've all been searching for, we've all been hoping for, has now arrived and is available through Jesus. And you, yes, you can be a part of it if you want to. You will have to become Jesus's disciple, and we'll talk more about that next week. Following Jesus is not primarily, listen, about you going to heaven when you die. Now, that's true. Let's not mistake that. But according to Jesus, what we see him talk about is getting heaven into you now, right now in your normal, ordinary, everyday life. Jesus taught a prayer, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We'll cover this prayer next spring. 
But in that prayer, uh, his disciples asked, Jesus, how should we pray? And, and Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom. God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that should be our prayer. John Moorberg says this, how do I get up there down here in my life? That's a question for you. How, how do I get up there down here into my life? How do I become a person pervaded by love in all of my actions instead of being pervaded by fear and anger and shame? How, how does up there come down here into my life, into my office, into my family, into my singleness? How does grace flow like a river into my marriage, into my friendships, into I-4 traffic? You think about that, someone cuts you off, right? Someone's gonna cut you off. They'll cut you off today, maybe. Instead of staring or honking or yelling or other nonverbal cues you might offer, we can ask Jesus for grace to see right here in this moment, I can live with God and I don't have to be driven by anger or resentment. So that leads us to our last question. How does this good news become a reality in my life? Well, we see that right at the beginning of Jesus' invitation we began with. Look at verse 17 from our passage. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent. Jesus says we must repent to receive this good news. Now, the word repent for me stirs up all kinds of visceral emotions. I don't know if it does that for you, but when I hear the word repent, it takes me back to college. And I remember one time walking by our school university library, and there was somebody standing on a stage much like this with a bullhorn, and they are yelling at people saying, repent. And the people that are walking by are yelling. It was just an awful scene, awful. So much evil and hate back and forth to one another. It was not a good scene. But that's not what Jesus meant. The Greek word for repent, metanoete, means think about the way you've been thinking. Think about the way you've been living. Whose kingdom are you currently living in? So make no mistake, this word is meant to be confrontational because we settle for smaller kingdoms of self that don't work. But Jesus says there is a new way to life that has arrived in me and is available to every person who wants it. Dallas Willard uh, was an author and he lived in a very poor rural part of southern Missouri or Missouri if you're a, a local. And he tells the story uh, in his small town that uh, electricity was beginning to make its way towards his small little town. Finally, they never had electricity up to this point. And, and these, these companies would come and they would knock on your door and you would answer the door, and it was essentially like them saying, Dow say, repent, for electricity is at hand. And Dallas would say that many of these farmers passed on the offer before them. 
He said, because they just didn't want to change. And I confess, much like these farmers, I reject this good news sometimes in my own life. That there are these silly things, silly, silly things that I'm still amazed that I, I let them have the best of me. Like when my favorite sports team loses a game, just don't talk to me for 24 hours. Like I'm not going to be in a good mood. Maybe that's you. Or, or, or moments where, you know, I, I planned on something that's going to go like this and then it goes completely the opposite. And, and I'm just all stirred up because this illusion of control that I believe operates in my life. Maybe, maybe you too. But these silly things when electricity is at hand. There's someone knocking at your door today. Do you hear him? We are invited to step into the kingdom of the heavens through Jesus. It is available. It is available to you today. This is why we are here as a church, inviting every person into the life-changing story of Jesus. We believe that's how lives get changed. It's through him, walking with him, surrender to him, getting our power through him. If you would choose to live with Jesus, following him, you can bring this kingdom reality to every area of your life. Up there can truly come down here through you, to my cubicle, to my marriage, to my dating, to my singleness, in my house, in my car, in my office, in the middle of my sickness. Up there can come down here to any person who wants the kingdom to pervade their normal, ordinary life. There is a life with Jesus that is available to you and me if you would choose to follow him and you will find something way more grand and way more exciting than electricity is at hand. But you will find a power and a friendship with God that can truly transform your life. Uh, I want to tell you about one person who received this power of following Jesus in her life. And to be honest, I've been coming back to this story and to this very special person over the last few months because it's a vision that I hope you have for your own life. Uh, Tom Schmidt wrote about this woman, and her name's Mabel. He wrote this The state run convalescent hospital is not a pleasant place. It is large, understaffed, and overfilled with senile and helpless and lonely people who are waiting to die. On the brightest of days, it seems dark inside and it smells of sickness and stale urine. I went there once or twice a week for four years, but I never wanted to go there. I always left with a sense of relief. It's not the kind of place one gets used to. On this particular day, I'm walking in a hallway that I've not visited before, looking in vain for a few who were alive enough to receive a flower and a few words of encouragement. This hallway seemed to contain some of the worst cases, strapped onto carts or into wheelchairs, looking completely helpless. As I neared the end of this hallway, I saw an old woman strapped up in a wheelchair. Her face was an absolute horror. The empty stare from the white pupils of her eyes told me she was blind. The large hearing aid over one ear told me she was almost deaf, and one side of her face was being eaten by cancer. I also learned later that this woman was 89 years old. She had been there bedridden, blind and nearly deaf and alone for 25 years. 
This was Mabel. I don't know why I spoke to her. She looked less likely to respond than most people I saw in that hallway. But I put the flower in her hand and said, here is a flower for you. Happy Mother's Day. She held the flower up to her face and she tried to smell it. And then she spoke. And to my surprise, her words, although somewhat garbled because of her deformity, were absolutely produced from a clear mind. Thank you. It's lovely, she said. But can I give it to someone else? I can't see it. You know, I'm blind. And I said, of course. And I pushed her in her chair back down the hallway to a place where I thought I saw some other alert patients. And I found one. I stopped the chair. Mabel held out the flower and said, here, this is from Jesus. That is when I began to dawn on me that this was not an ordinary human being. Mabel and I began to become friends over the next few weeks. And I went to see her once or twice a week for the next three years. It was not many weeks before I turned from this sense of being helpful to a sense of wonder. And I would go there to meet with her, pen and paper in hand, to write down the things that she would say. During one hectic week of my final exams, I was frustrated because my mind seemed pulled in 10 different directions all the time. And while that was happening, a question occurred to me, what does Mabel think about? Hour after hour, day after day, week after week, not even knowing if it's day or night. And so I went and asked her, Mabel, What do you think about when you lie here? She said, I think about my Jesus. I sat there and I thought for a moment about the difficulty for me. I was thinking about Jesus for even five minutes and I asked, what do you think about Jesus? She replied slowly and deliberately as I wrote, I think about how good he's been to me. Jesus has been awfully good to me in my life, you know. I'm one of those people who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folks would, wouldn't care what much what I think. Lots of folks would call me kind of old-fashioned, but I don't care. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. And then Mabel began to sing an old hymn. Jesus. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my awe, he's my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Tom went on. This is not fiction. Incredible as it may seem, a human being really lived like this. I know, I knew her. How could she do it? Seconds ticks. And minutes crawled, and so did days and weeks and months and years of pain without human company, without an explanation of why is this all happening. And she lay there and she sang hymns. How could she do it? The answer, I think, is that Mabel had something you and I don't have much of. Mabel had a power. Lying there in that bed, unable to move, unable to see, unable to hear, unable to talk to anyone. But at the same time, she had an incredible power, end quote. Friends, I have no greater longing for you than that you would know this kind of life with Jesus. That you would walk with him in such a way that no matter what comes in your life, that because he is with me, He is my friend. I will never fear. 
this is the promise in this gospel Jesus offers you today. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Can I have you stand as we close today? Friends, friends, are you ready to receive the kingdom and the good news that Jesus offers you for your life? Whose kingdom are you living in? Maybe whose kingdom are you living for? Do you want a vision and a power that can transform your life and the lives of those around you just like Mabel, then Jesus invites you this morning to follow him, to receive his good news for your life. And I cannot wait to hear the stories that people will tell about you to the way you walk with Jesus. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we need this power from you. It's found nowhere else. It's available nowhere else. And at the same time, it is freely given through Jesus. And so this morning, would you meet us as we cry out to you in surrender? That Lord, we say, Lord, you can have my life. You can, I wanna build my life upon your love. Lord, you can have everything that's available in my life to be used by you as I seek to follow Jesus in the power of your spirit. Change us, Lord, we do pray. And everyone said, amen.